Grab your Bible, Matthew chapter 25. Stand with me. We're going to read a portion of Scripture here starting in verse 14. I'm going to talk to you this morning about managing what we have for the Master. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. We're going to read all the way down to verse 28. Matthew 25. 14 to 28. We'll read. I'm a little loud facing you, so if you turn that down. We're going to read together. Starting in verse 14 down to verse 28, if you have your Bible. hope you do. Why you come to church, amen? <clears throat> Matthew 25, verse 14, and let's begin together. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, Thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. I was afraid, and went and hid the talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather what I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him that hath, which hath ten talents. Let's pray. So Lord, uh, there are responsibilities that we have even though we're saved. We do not have to keep ourselves saved. That's your job. But we do have to take our lives that you have given to us, the things and the people in our lives that you have given us, and we are to improve, bless, encourage, equip. We are meant to develop what you've given, not hide it. We're meant to, to be busy with using those things for the kingdom of God instead of ignoring them. So Lord, this morning, teach us how to be stewards of all the things you've graciously given us. I pray, Lord, we would understand our responsibility as stewards. 
There'll be some people in this room who maybe they work all their life trying to be debt-free. They have no credit card debt. They have no uh, car debt. Everything is paid for, and that's great, but they've never gotten their sin debt paid for. God, I pray you put the fear of God on them this morning. Help them to realize only Jesus can pay off that debt. So bless what we're going to learn this month and this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> okay, well, first thing I want to say, and maybe it might, be, might surprise you, but money is a biblical subject. It, may, it might amaze you to know that Jesus talked about money in about a third of his parables in his lessons. There are about 500 scriptures that specifically tell us to pray and how to pray, but there are over a thousand scriptures that talk about money and possessions. Jesus taught a lot about money and how to manage it. Here, an entire parable, we read the whole thing in Matthew 25. Obviously, it's an issue because getting money is, is what we all sort of think about and we work at trying to get. But Jesus talks about managing money and sometimes being able to let go of money. There was a rich man who came to Jesus and said, I've inherited great wealth. What do I do? And he used these words to inherit eternal life now. And Jesus said, well, let me tell you, sell everything. <laughs> Give it to the poor and come and follow me. And he went, I can't. And he walked away quite sad. Because letting go of money is hard. Would you agree? The truth is, money's not our problem. It's our love of it. It's our love of the power that we have with money. What do you do when you get your pay packet? You go shopping. Sometimes you go shopping for food. I mean, you didn't have money on Wednesday, but on Thursday you got money. There's power when you have money. And when you get extra money, oh, you go, well, now I can get what I want. Do you even know what the purpose is for money? Did you know that God gave you your health and your job and the money that you have, not for you. Now, yes, you're supposed to manage that money and it's fine to spend that money any way you want. But as a Christian, you need to find out what is the purpose of my health, of my job, of my money. What is my purpose? And the Bible calls it the kingdom of God. And I find, and you might be honest, maybe, with yourself, most people find it hard to do anything other than just pay their bills. It's like flushing your money down the toilet. Amen? It just, it just, you're just dumping money away. <clears throat> By nature, we are takers. We're covetous and greedy and very discontented with the things that we have. Even though we're, we're a first world country, we have loads of money coming out of our wazoo compared to the rest of the world. The Bible uh, but the Bible has a lot to say about money, and, and it has a lot to say about our worship with our money, even. I want to have you go there, but Proverbs 27, 20 says, I'm sorry, uh, Psalm 96, verse 8 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name, bring an offering, and come into His courts. Come into the place where you worship Him with something that you want to give. Now, a lot of people say, well, I don't have any money to give. That's okay. But, until you start to say, Lord, teach me to manage my life and my finances so that I can bring something. That's the goal of the Christian. Learning how to manage our money is important if we're going to be a free people. 
you want to be free from constant debt, if you want to be free from the worry about the future, if you want to be free to be able to give away your money as the Lord leads you, you know, uh, the Lord puts on my heart, and it's a shame. I'll put myself out there. I'll say, the Lord puts it on my heart to give money to somebody. And I look and I go, I don't have any money to give. Now, I feel bad. But you know what I feel worse about? That I didn't actually plan to save some money back so that if the Lord did lay it on my heart, that I had something to give. There are times when you won't have any money to give. But wouldn't it be a, a greater thing that we managed our money so that there's not money for us to spend on a holiday or money for us to spend on, on a new toy, on an upgraded iPhone, on whatever we can dream of, but that we had not just money that we're paying our bills with, money that we're tithing with, and money that we're paying our, you know, buying our groceries with, and money that we're saving back for that holiday, but that we said, you know what, I'm going to manage money so that I can just give some away as the Lord leads. Because that is the goal of the Christian. Give and it shall be given unto you. That's the goal is to be able to just be a blessing to someone. You don't have to be wealthy to be a blessing, do you know that? You just have to plan out your schedule and not spend all your money and just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And that's hard because the government and the bills take and take. And we've just got to learn how to manage our finances. It's called stewardship. It's called stewardship. So for a few weeks this month, I want to help you learn how to manage your money and your life so that you have... Not just more money, but so you have more money to give away instead of always having nothing to give for God. Stewardship is not complicated to learn. Okay? What I'm going to teach you is, is something you could learn in primary school, maybe around fourth class or fifth class. Children can understand this just using a pizza. I might do that one of these mornings and have you all just drool as I hand out slices of pizza, each piece representing what different expenses are. And if you bought a pizza for 12 euros and you set it down there from Four Star or Domino's there, and you're starving, and if I took away all of the pizza that every other creditor and debtor uh, or, or every other debt that you owe, and you ended up with this tiny little slice that you're free to now eat, <laughs> then you'd understand, no wonder we have no money for God. No wonder we don't have the ability to increase the pay for our missionaries. No wonder we really don't evangelize in, in uh, uh, our community because we don't, we don't have any money. And that's a shame. Not that a problem with the poor and being poor. It's a problem, do we manage what we have? So, let's start off here. First, I want to pray. Father, every time uh, we come before you and uh, we've got a message from the Bible, Lord, there's two things going on. One, there's me preaching and then there's people hearing. And I need you to help both. Because in this area... People sort of just push money away and say, God, you do not have a right to control that area of my life. And that's wrong. Lord, you are Lord of every area of our life. And the part that we are in bondage most to is our money and lack of it. And you're not a prosperity God. You're not trying to just make all of us all rich. You're trying to make us all responsible. Whether we have little or we have much, Help us to be faithful stewards like we read about this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So I'm going to start off here, and, he, and, and I'm going to read it again, and then I'll go through it. But we have a parable of the talents, okay? Jesus taught a lot, uh, a lot of his lessons about managing our money, and Jesus describes um, three men who show us the right way and the wrong way to manage our money. So verse 14, he starts off, look there, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them, circle these next words, his goods. Was he just giving them a bonus? Follow me. Was he just giving away the money and say, here, go spend it as you please? No. He was saying, this is mine and I'm putting you in charge of it. Do you see that? So this man going a long journey, as a matter of fact, go, uh, he, he's actually going to become king of a kingdom. He'll come back as king right now. He's just, uh, he's just the master of that, that small group. He leaves his goods and possessions to three stewards. He left them in charge. And these were not, a talent is not like we think of. We think of a talent like a, a talent to play the piano or a singing talent or something. But a talent... Is, a, is great wealth. I'll show you in a moment. But let me talk to you first about this word steward. Steward means a caretaker, a manager, an overseer of someone else's stuff. It means somebody who cares for and improves something that belongs to someone else. Stewards serve at the pleasure of their employer. They do what their employer or their owner would do if he or she were there. And they do what honors their employer, not what they enjoy. So steward is different than just, you know, living your life as you please. Now, three stewards are described here. Verse 15, it says, And unto the one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straightway he took his journey, so he leaves. Now, the first man is given five talents of money. Now, what that means is he gave him five bags of money. That's what it, each talent... Was a, uh, each bag was a talent in weight that's basically 35 kilograms of coins. Now, let's, now, each one of these coins are worth about a day's wage. Now, how much would you get in a day? Let's, let's average it out. Some people make 50 euros a day. Some people, now this man, he's, he's fairly wealthy, so let's make it right out about 80 euros each coin in worth. Let's guess that each bag, if it's 35 kilograms, and you can measure the weight of a coin, I took the weight of a one-year-old coin just for fun, and I multiplied it all. If each coin is worth 80 euros, you could put 4,500 coins in a bag. That makes for, if you had 4,500 coins in a bag that weighs 35 kilos, that's heavy. All right? Normally you buy a 10-kilo bag of, of potatoes and you're struggling. This is 35 kilo bag of coins, okay? And each bag is then worth 400,000 euros. The first guy is given 2 million euros worth of money. Five bags of money. He then comes to um, uh, the second. He's given two bags of money. You say, oh boy, that's not worth much. Well, that's 800,000 euros worth of, of money. The third guy, he's only given 400,000 to take care of. But I have to tell you, if somebody handed you a bag worth 400,000 euros, that's a lot of money, that's a lot of responsibility, amen? See, we think, 
Oh, he was given a talent. We don't know what a talent is. Oh, he's given five, two, one. No big deal. It is a big deal. This was a lot of responsibility. You know what was important? They were expected to do something with those amounts of money before the Lord returned. They were supposed to take good care of that money as if he was handling the money. Now, if you know anything about the, the Bible, the Bible is into capitalism. Buying, selling, making profit. You don't abuse people and build your empire on the backs of people, but it's okay when you have money to make more. As a matter of fact, people who have money hire people. If you want to take money away from a wealthy person, a rich person, work for them. Knock on their door and says, can I do something? And get their money by working for them. Don't hate them. So, a normal person that has money invests and makes more money with that money. Does that make sense? All right, most people have been taught by the news media and by the TV shows that rich people only got rich wrongly and they're all to be hated. Let's take all their money from them. That's wicked. I know some people and a lot of people make money wrongly, ill-gotten, but we're not, we're talking about is it right to make money? No. These three servants are supposed to take care of that money as if it was the original owner doing it. Now, what each man did with those talents is described in verse 16. And he that received the five talents went, and watch what he did. He traded with the same. And that trade is he invested it. And he made them other five talents. He doubled. Verse 17, likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. Ah. The third one. After a long time, uh, sorry, verse 18, he that received one, only one, he went and he digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. So the first servant did not spend the money. It was not his to spend. Can you understand that? If I gave you 20 euros and I said, hold on to this till my wife comes and give it to her when she gets back here because i got to go. If you said, 20 euros, well, she doesn't know he's getting, she's getting 20 euros. I'll go quickly spend 10 and I'll give her 10. It's not yours to spend, amen? All right. He went and he traded that money for goods and services. He invested the money for an increase in value. He now got ten bags of money. Question, who owned the initial five bags? The owner, the master, the Lord. Who owned the additional five bags of money now? The Lord did. Now remember that. Second servant did the same. Even though he's not responsible for five bags of money, he said, I'm responsible for two. And I, my ability may not be to take five and double it, but I can take two and I can work hard and double it as well. The third man took that bag of coins and he did something entirely different. What did he do? Oh, okay. Well, I'll show you one thing. You know what this woman is doing? She opened, she got some money. And she went and she opened her, she took the money and she invested it in tools she rented a shop, she was good with her hands, and she made it into a carpentry shop, and her, let's say she had 30,000 euros, I forget how much she had, but, the, but she's just explaining how she had so much money, and she invested it into a business, and she has a turnaround of about 30,000 a year right now. That 30,000 is now producing 30,000 every year in profit. That's what these guys did. 
They took their initial money and they invested in small businesses, they invested in tools, maybe helping them make, do a job um, and, and making money. You want to make, you want to get money? You work for it. And these guys worked for it. What's funny is, well, I'll come to it in a second. Uh, this, the third guy, let me stop here for a second because I want to make this point. The third man took that bag of, his one bag of coins and he said something totally different. He went and he dug a hole with it. And he buried the money. Now the Irish were always said to have put their money into their mattress. Can you imagine, I'd rather money in a mattress than money in a hole in the ground. He went on his way. The two actually were trading. They were investing. They were monitoring. They were working to make that money work for them. But this one guy went, buried the money and went on his way as if there was nothing to do. It's like it didn't matter what he did with his Lord's money. Well, there's what they call the day of reckoning. Look there at verse 19. After a long time, this wasn't just a week later. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh, and here's your word, he reckoneth with them. Now, reckoning means adding everything up and coming up with a total. We call it making a conclusion. Finding out what the answer is. All right, what do you think you'll conclude about those two servants? He'll be very happy, won't he? Very pleased with the first guy. Some people think, well, he won't be so happy with the second guy. And that third guy, what about him? What's going to happen? Well, I need you to go to Luke chapter 19. Hold your place in Matthew. Go to Luke 19 and see how Luke records this event, this story. Luke 19 and verse 15. Luke 19, 15. And it came to pass that when he, that Lord, was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had, what's the next word? Gained by trading. So the first man approached his Lord. Look there in verse 20. So he that had received the five talents came and brought other five talents with it. Ten bags saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. What a thought. He gave all of it back to the owner. In verse uh, 20, uh, um, sorry, verse 21, And the Lord, and his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. And I tell you, two million euros is not just a few things. But as far as what this Lord had in store for the future for that servant. He says, you've been faithful over what I gave you there. Wait till you see what I've got for you next. He says, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. So why was he being praised and honored? Because he had proved himself to be faithful. He just did the right thing. And I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm also always struggling with how do you teach young men to do right? How do you teach young ladies to decide there's right and there's wrong and you never do the wrong thing? It used to be called integrity and character. You never lie, folks. You never lie. Even if you are caught and it costs you, 
You never lie. You, if you're given a responsibility, can you imagine? That's, that's, uh, I'm not going to use anybody. I should, but uh, here's, here's, a, here's a 14-year-old uh, son, and mom's got to run out. Dad's at work, and mom's running out to, to go pick up one of the other kids and says, all right, you're in charge of your little sister. I'm describing the, uh, uh, the Vandervest and I's at home without actually mentioning it. You're in charge of your little sister, all right? I won't pick which one of them. But... So she heads off, and he immediately heads to his room, closes the door, locks it. <laughs> So Haley's now up on the kitchen sink and she's, I don't know what. You're given responsibility. When you're faithful in being put in a position to do something simple, believe me, they'll trust you with your car when you're 18 to 19 years old. Amen. But if they can't trust you with a little thing, they're not going to trust you with a car until you're 39. Amen. So here, it didn't matter Oh, it didn't matter really how successful. I'm glad. I mean, he doubled it. That's great. But what does, what does the Lord say to him? He says, you did good and you were, what's the next word? Faithful. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says it is required in stewards that a man not be found successful, but he's consistent, he's faithful, he's dependable. So the second man... There in verse 22, he also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. You obviously knew I could only handle that much. Well, behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well, you didn't do as good as the first guy. He didn't say that, did he? He said, Well done. Good and faithful. Same praise. Less amount. Not as much money. Same praise. Keep going. Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. That was your test. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He proved he too could be trusted with great responsibilities. And what mattered was that he just was faithful. Now we're going to find our third guy, which is the one that we always focus on. And we go, wow. This is where the rubber meets the road because I'm afraid most of us fall into this category. Verse 24, Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee. Now you've got to put a little aggravated tone in his voice. He's not being sweet. He says, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, gathering where thou hast not strawed. How many of us, when we worked for an employer, would see the employer or the manager or the foreman sitting at a desk in air-conditioned office while we were sweating out on a factory floor? And yet he got more of the money and we had to work extra hours or whatever. And it was almost like we wanted to go and says, you make money off of our backs. That's how we felt. And that's how he feels here. Let's keep going. Verse 25, and I was afraid. I went and I hid thy, mo- thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. Notice what he does. First thing he does is he, the first man, let me run through this, he presented not five bags but ten. The second guy presented not two bags but he doubled it into four. The third man comes up to him and shows him money that he dug out of the ground. That just blows my mind. He hands that money as musty as it smells. Let's guess that that 
He's been away for a year. This is a long time. I don't know how long it is. might be a lifetime. I don't know. But he's away, and when he comes back, this guy, and it smells of dirt. It is filthy. It's been sitting in the ground. You wouldn't want to touch it. And then he does two stupid things. He said, he first accused his master. He said, you're a hard man to work for. Next time you complain about your boss or your employer or your job, if you can't get another job, slap yourself. Or let me do it. Do not complain about your job or your boss. He may or she may be rough on you, but you're getting paid, okay? We're the most ungrateful people. We have become hypercritical. And it's wrong, especially as Christians. He says, you're a hard man to work for. You expect me to do all of your work. He not only accused the master, then he excused himself. Did you hear what he says? He says, I, I was afraid of you. I was afraid of failing you. I, I think I can live up to your expectations. Then he hands the money back to him and he says, there, that's, that's yours. Like it was a good thing. But you know what? He didn't do what he was supposed to do, did he? He was given not just money, he was given responsibility with that money. And he refused to accept the responsibility that came with those talents. Can I say it again? He refused to accept the responsibility that came with those, of that money, with those talents. So we come up here and we have the judgment, verse 26. The Lord answered and said to him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. What's a sloth? What's slothful mean? Lazy. Do you know laziness is a sin? Amen. I'll hold that for a second. Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not. You knew that when I hired you. And gather, I gather, where I have not strawed or planted. Verse 27. Thou oughtest therefore to have at least put my money to the exchangers. Go to the money changers and make money by changing money. Take it to the bank. Get some compound interest. And then in my coming, I should have received mine own money with, now the word was usury, which, which means use money or interest. I should, and it should be that, this way, where when I give my money to the bank and they make money off of it, they pay me for using my money. That went away about 20 years ago, folks. The, the banks have been making tons of profits for all these years, and everybody went, well, I'm getting 3%. They're making 19. So, anyway, I'd get a little off of that hobby horse for a second. And uh, at least I would get some money just for the bank, the fact that the bank was using it to make their money, and we get a little interest. You should at least give me some interest. Verse 28, Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. What a thing, man. Do you think the third man deserves to be praised at all? I mean, he didn't waste the money. He didn't, didn't lose it. <laughs> I found, he found where he buried it. <laughs> he didn't squander it. No. You know, I would say, well, okay, well, at least you didn't blow all the money. You didn't use it on drink. You didn't use it on girls. You didn't use it on... No, 
You, you think, right, well, maybe that guy should be praised. The Lord did not praise him at all. Listen to how Jesus exposes this man. He calls him a wicked and slothful servant. He says, you were not afraid. You weren't, you weren't uh, overwhelmed. You were lazy. Amen? All right, I'm going to get real close. Are right, you ready? Lord, I'm afraid to give out a gospel tract. No, you're lazy. You see, if you knew the value of that soul that you're sitting next to on the bus, fear is not the issue. You know what Christ gave us when he gave us the gospel. He gave us a responsibility to give it, to invest it. Amen? Am I talking to you? When we, we think only of money and everything about me belongs to God, especially my salvation. And when I'm given something from God, he expects me to do something with it, not hide it. Amen? And then he says, lastly, when the judgment, I like, he says, and you're fired. <laughs> Take the talent from him. I'm not trusting you anymore. Give it to the guy that can be trusted with, with five. Give him the one, and you're fired. Now, how does that apply to us? Just a few thoughts. Number one, Jesus is the man who went on a long journey to become king. Jesus is describing himself Sometimes he would describe God in, in his, in his uh, illustration. Sometimes he would describe himself, but he's the man. He's the employer. He's the owner. He's the one in charge. Is Jesus Lord of your life? You see, when he got up out of that grave, he proved he is Lord. Amen? We Christians are the servants of Jesus. You should be glad that you are. We serve Jesus. My life is to please Him, to do His will. Whatever we do should be for His glory and His honor. I'm glad you're in church. I'm glad you're here. But you ought to realize I'm at church because of Jesus. Because I want my time to not be only my own and the world and the TV. I want my time and my life to be given to Jesus. We serve Jesus. Whatever we do, we do for His glory and honor. But we are more than servants. We are stewards. Jesus has put us in charge of everything He has given us. What has He given us? How about the gospel? It's already said we're in charge of it. Who's in charge of putting the gospel in every corner of this world? Angels are not in charge of it. They are not. The government is not, does not have the responsibility to make sure everyone hears Jesus saves. That is not the purpose, not the design, not the charge or responsibility of the government. Some governments control the church and some churches control their governments. In Christianity, we have the responsibility. Newspapers are not responsible for printing the gospel. I wish they would. A lot of filth that they put out. The radio is not responsible for getting the gospel out. We are. Do you understand? We have been given not a great gift. And the Lord says, and I expect you to invest it. What about our families? Does the school have more say over how your kids grew up? Or you? Uh, you're not participating in the LGBT program this week. Amen. They're not responsible for whether your kids are balanced or not. You are. Amen. So, Wow, God gave me five kids. 
I'm responsible for how they turn out. Now, yeah, they got their own free will, and we knock heads a lot, but I better take it serious that I'm the dad, and I will have to answer to God whether I invested in them or I just hid them and let them go off and do their own thing, ignoring my responsibility. We're in charge of our time. We're in charge of how many hours we waste. A couple of years back, I did a schedule from from 6 a.m. until midnight. I tried to keep track of everything I did during the day. And it's embarrassing. I mean, there were blocks where I was working flat out, and there were blocks where I just vegetated. There were blocks where you sit there and you're, you're, you're you know, doing stupid things, and there are blocks where you're, you're, you're busy doing something that's beneficial. And then you look and you go, and I spent 15 minutes in prayer. Oh, good boy, good boy out of 24 hours. Yeah. We're responsible for the health that God has given us. Amen. You know what most young people do? They decide to serve God when they're 80. Right now I'm young. There are young chicks to go after. There are things to do, places to go, money to spend, money to make. Why would I even think about serving God? Why would I even think about being a missionary? Why would I ever want to be a pastor? Why would I ever want to be a soul winner? I've got my life. No, you got your life from God. And we're entrusted with money. God expects us to use it wisely. And really, this is really convicting. We should be doing with our family what Jesus would do if he were there. How would he speak to your kids? How much time would he spend with them? How would he be on the job where you work? How much would he invest in the lives of others or just stay to himself and hide his Christianity? We're supposed to be doing what Jesus would do, what with whatever God has given us. Gentlemen, you are loving your wife. You should be because God gave her to you to be responsible for loving. Wow. I should treat her like Jesus would, not like the devil. Ladies, you are supposed to be loving your husband because God gave him to you to be responsible for loving not another woman's job, your job. We are stewards. So let's go back and let's learn again what these first two men did because they are imperative. Verse 16, 25, 16, go back there. I want you to see something there. He that received the five talents, the next word, it says he went. He went immediately. He got busy. He took it seriously. He says, you know, I, this is my job. And as I've said before, you need to find out why God saved you. These two men were responsible for their Lord's goods, and so are we. They worked hard at investing what their Lord had given them. You know it's easy to spend money? It's so easy to spend money. People who win the lotto immediately are told to hire who? A financial advisor. <laughs> Why? Because in two years, after all of the money, the average is, let me look at this, People who win the lottery or music stars who come into a lot of money, sports stars who become worth 50 million euros overnight, 
There's a good number of them that become bankrupt in three to five years. Because it's easy to buy a house and to buy a house for your mother, buy a house for your sister, buy a house for the dog. You are out there and the cat. And you are, you're just buying, buying. And if somebody doesn't show you and says, stop, hold on, save some money because you're not going to be a sports star for more than five, six, seven years and the rest of your life. You're going to need this money. You need to manage your money. Remember the kid from Home Alone? I can't even pronounce his name. I know it's Kevin, but not that name. Where's his name here? I got his name. Oh, well, forget it. Oh, Macaulay Culkin. Culkin. <laughs> I like Kevin better, all right? What happened to him? He never listened. I'm sure people tried to give him advice. He spent his money on drugs. He started up a rock band. He lost almost all his money. You know, if it weren't for the fact that now it's become a Christmas season, you know, everybody watches Home Alone, if it had not been a popular movie, he'd be broke, bankrupt, and he was on the street for a while. Let me tell you, don't think that wealthy people know how to manage money because it comes and it goes. These two servants were hard at work. They didn't waste what God had given them, supplying to us. It wasn't theirs to waste. They exchanged it for goods and services that increased in value. It is important for you to save money. It's important to learn how to invest it. used to be we all were responsible for our own retirement. Now the government's taking care of most everybody's retirement. I kind of don't trust the government, do you? But that's investment. Do you know, uh, Proverbs 10, 4 says, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack, a lazy hand. But the hand of the diligent, the person who's diligent, hardworking, maketh himself rich. Proverbs 14, 23, 14, 23 says, In all thy labor, in all your hard work, there is profit. When you work hard, I guarantee you, you'll make money and you'll have more than you think. But the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury, which means poverty. If all you do is talk and complain and you don't work, you'll end up poor. Third thing, they endured. They started working. They didn't know how long their Lord was going to be away. So they started working and they worked 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 until he came back. They were looking for fast money. They just set out for the long haul. Uh, you may be 25 years old. Let me tell you, start saving. Oh, I got my whole life ahead of you. you. The sooner you start saving back money that you'll never touch. Now, this is advice I have not been able to follow. I'll be honest with you. I'll teach you this over the next few weeks. A lot of things as a pastor, like what I do, I do a lot by faith. I will, from month to month, go from a certain amount, and then the next month, I'll be 1,500 euros less than what I get. And the next month, I might make 500 more. Next month, I'm back up. Next month, it's 500 less. My income is different every month. That's because I live by faith. Churches support me. They give as they can. So I don't ever go, well, those lousy churches aren't keeping up their part of the bargain. I mean, don't they know I've got to get a Mercedes? <laughs> or what'd you buy? An Audi. An Audi. Um, but there are some biblical principles that say, now I try to save. <laughs> when you got five kids 
and going through school and, and God's helped us and enabled us and things like this, but the money goes. So you save and you save and you save. If you start saving at 20, can you imagine just saving 25 euros a week? How much money you'll have when you're 60? Now, if you start saving at 59, good luck. <laughs> it ain't going to work. These guys were in it for the long haul. They endured. To them, it was, we're going to work hard. Genesis 3.19 says, In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread. Sweat? Yes. For you ladies, that's perspiration. These men stayed faithful, working to make things better, having something more in the end that they started with, and they reaped from their work, which means they profited. To reap means to gain, to benefit from, to acquire, to make a profit instead of losing the money. These guys didn't lose a penny. They doubled it. And you know what I find out? They looked forward to their Lord's return. They didn't. The other guy, the third guy, did he have a bad attitude, yes or no? He knew he had already prepared his speech, so when his Lord came up, he says, you're just hard to went far. He was, he was not happy to meet his Lord, but the other two were they had no shame. I'm afraid a lot of us are going to have shame when we meet the Lord because the Lord will say, what would you do with all that health I gave you? What would you do with 79 years of your life? What would you do with that? Well, I went to church once a week. What would you do? Well, let's deal with that last servant did, and let's fear doing the same thing. What did he do? Well, it's kind of strange. He buried the money. I think he probably hid it so it wouldn't be stolen. Amen? He probably hid it so it wouldn't be stolen. All right. But that was all he did. He didn't worry about the consequences of just doing nothing. He actually, think about it, how long have these others two been working and, and, and investing and, and, and doubling that money? How long? We don't know. It just says the Lord was away for a long time. That third servant, however much effort he put into digging that hole, was all the effort he put in. And then he went off and did his own thing for the rest of the time. No wonder he's called lazy. He could have done something with that then he stood before the master and he did two stupid things. He blamed the master for his failure, for his own failure, and then he excused himself from the responsibility. He said, you gave me more than I can handle. I'm not like those other guys. I'm not as good as them. Do you know, this was a smart Lord here. He gave what they could do. He gave them what they could handle. Say, why aren't more Christians rich? Because we can't handle money very well. God gives you what you can't handle. And He expects you to be faithful with what you do have. Did anything that this third guy say help him out? Did it turn the heart of the, of the Master? Mm. Because in the end, the servant disregarded the responsibilities that go with stewarding another person's stuff. And he lost everything that the Master wanted to give him. This, this master had gone off and become king of a kingdom. And when he came back expecting to give responsibilities to these three men, saying, you're going to be in charge of this ministry, you're going to be in charge of that responsibility, and you, you're fired. <laughs> wow! Imagine giving the keys to your house to someone and ask them to stay in it, watch it for you while you're gone for a month. 
So they gladly take your keys. You drive away. And they walk away. Never mow the grass. Never take out the rubbish. Never open the windows for fresh air. Never dust the sitting room furniture. Never gather up the mail. Never answer the telephone and it rings. How would you feel when you come home? You look at all that pile of mail in there and you say, that's the first indicator for a thief to know they can get into this house. Seeing a pile of mail outside of the door or in the letterbox, I mean, just shoved in there, nobody's home. That's, a, that's an attraction for a thief. You'd be furious, wouldn't you? Coming to your house and it stinks. Coming to the house, cats are in the loft and running around there. Do you know that's how God feels about us? Lazy Christians who were given responsibility and we go, yeah, right, it's no big deal. I've got my life to live. Here's some final thoughts. Christians are bought with such a high price. Go to 1 Corinthians now. 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. First Corinthians 6, 19. I like how Paul talks off like, starts off talking like my mother. What? <laughs> you knew you were in trouble when she did that. And Paul is exclaiming, What? Know you not that as a Christian, your body, that physical thing you have to wash every day, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God. You got your body, your life from God, and you are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God now in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. The word redeem means the debt was paid off. You were bought back. A debt collector was owning you. His name was Satan. And somebody came and redeemed you. Verse 18, 1 Peter 1, 18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, is, is uh, look what he says, as silver and gold. You're not corrupted from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Never forget this. You say, I, I don't understand this, Pastor. What are you getting at? You don't belong to yourself anymore. Before you were saved, you thought you were doing your own thing, you were living your own life, you put everything into your mouth and into your brain and into your heart that you felt like putting in there. And you never realized you were just a puppet of Satan. As he pulled the strings. You, do, you did the lusts of your father. But now that you're saved, you're still not free. You've now been bought by a new master. We're not our own anymore. We cannot do as we please. I'm going to say something. Go to Colossians. Go back to the left. Find Colossians chapter 3. I read this and I went, that is so cool. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. From now on, I would like you to remember this thought. Every spending decision that we make as Christians is a spiritual decision. It's not just, well, I'll have the, you know, the extra cheese 
and pepperoni with mushrooms on the pizza, you know. I throw it on, money's no matter. Every decision I make with my finances, every decision I make with my time, every decision I make is a spiritual decision. It matters what I choose. Chapter 3, Colossians 3.22. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, the people you work for. Not with eye service, not while they're watching you as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. You worry about what God thinks. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as if you're doing it to who? As to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong as a servant shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. You've got to take it seriously that you know, the Lord might just say to somebody, you're fired. That doesn't mean you go to hell. That just means you lost your reward. I had something for you and I can't trust you with it. You let me down. Therefore, you're staying right there. You're not going anywhere. Others are going further in the kingdom of God. Others are seeing people saved. Others are doing something for God. And the rest of the world couldn't care less. But I care that I do something that matters and that influences and affects this generation with the gospel because he influenced me. He got me. And now I want to get somebody else with, him, with the gospel. Second truth. Everything we have, we first got from God. 1 Timothy 6, 7 says, We brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. <laughs> Job said this, he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. It's his to do as he pleases. So blessed be the name of the Lord. Everything I have came from God first. Who owned those five talents, two talents and one talent at the beginning? The Lord did. Who owned the ten, the four, and the still one at the end? The Lord did. Whatever God has given you, you're responsible for. And that includes more than just our money. God gave you how many minutes in a day? I forget now. God gave you your family. God gave you your testimony. God gave you your health. Name one thing. Try to name one thing that you did not get from God that didn't first give you. Well, I got a job. Uh, you think that you went out and got a job and God didn't actually open that thing up for you. If you're saved, nothing's by accident, folks. You think, well, I did this. Well, I earned this. You, God gave you the health so that you could work that job, make that money. There's nothing that you've got that didn't first come from God. Third, money and possessions test us. They reveal our hearts. They show whether we love the things of this world or love the one who gave us everything. And he gave us everything to enjoy. Don't misunderstand. You're not supposed to be poor on purpose and just have no money. That's not the point. He gave you everything you have to enjoy, yes, but you are not the owner of those things. We're responsible for what God has given us. People who are wealthy have great responsibility for that wealth. Amen? But people with little or no money have responsibility for whatever they do have. There is no one that has no responsibility for God for something or someone. Romans 14, 12 says, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. You can, you can blame other people, but in the end you're going to stand and the Lord's going to say, What would you do with what I gave you? Fourth, amounts of money and possessions do not matter. 
Oh, where are you? Amounts of money and possessions do not matter. What we do with what we have is what God's looking at. So learn to be content. You may look at somebody and God seems to, their boss seems to give them big things to do and they're having fun and you've got some little lowly job. Paul says this in Philippians 4, Now, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Why? Because you're responsible for them. And if you want more, be faithful with what you have. If you're single and you want a wife, be faithful being single. Be a, be a man or a woman of integrity. Do the right thing. And then God will say, you know, I've got to get that person a wife. I've got to bring a husband. That's what God does. Invest what you have right now in the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.19 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves where? Treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, nor thieves do not break through nor steal. Lay up treasures in the kingdom of God. That's some of your time in soul winning on Saturday afternoon. Gavin and I had a great time. I don't know if you saw the picture, but we went up to this house, and I said to him, I said, when you come up to one of these big yards, big gardens, it's got a big gate, you can see the, the, the chicken wire in the front, you go, there's a dog here. <laughs> so I went, <laughs> and then I opened the gate, and I said, next thing we do is we make a lot of noise as we're walking down to the, because I want to know if there's a dog in there, amen? And we go up to the door, up to the door, and there's another gate back there. And so far, no dog. So as soon as we knocked on the door, a German shepherd came out six feet from us, looking at us. <laughs> and we had fun. I took my camera out. I was going, good boy, good boy, please be a good boy. <laughs> I took my camera out. Yay, the way I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> took a picture of that dog looking at us. We had fun going out soul winning yesterday, didn't we? Wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be proud, wouldn't be pleased, wouldn't be delighted with wasting my time in front of Netflix when I could be out soul winning just for an hour on Saturday. Invest your time. Invest some of your money in our missionaries. We've had some of these missionaries for 14, 15 years. We've never given them a raise. Now, they're not complaining. But would you work for the same job and just take the same pay and never get a raise? It's all quiet here today. What happened? I'd like to give them a raise. But I don't have all your money. You've got your money. I'm just putting a burden out there saying, you know, I don't want to be so stingy and hide away God's money so that we don't be a blessing to our missionaries and maybe take on another one here or there. Invest your tithe in the Lord's work in this church so we can faithfully pay our bills. Invest yourself in helping in the gospel ministry here. Don't just sit there and hide your health. Don't just hide your abilities. Don't hide whatever God has given you that he gave you to serve with. And it all begins with you. I like how it said there, and I'll just read it here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I don't want you dead. But as a living sacrifice, you give all of you to him. I want to be free. 
but don't only want to be free from financial debt. It's far better to be free from fear, from sorrow, from death, and from hell. Amen? Christ's death in your place paid off all of your debts that you owed God. All your sins are gone. But that means nothing until you want Him to pay it off. Until you want what He paid for. Until you humble yourself and repent of just how selfish and wicked you are. You never thought about your soul. You only thought about your wallet. You only thought about your house. You thought about the car you drive. You thought about people's impressions of you. You never realized, I'm headed for hell. Why don't you ask God to forgive you simply because Jesus paid for you. Become free from your sin. That's the freedom. You say, I wish I was financially free. Well, maybe in time you can be, but you can be free from your sin today. Forget about financial freedom seminars. That's the freedom to focus on. Dear Christian, I want to teach you how to work hard to become free to give. You have money to be able to give. I, uh, I, met, a, uh, I met a pastor. He's in Texas. And he was, uh, I, I, went, I, I went with him to a meeting, to a preacher's meeting. And in that preacher's meeting, he was filled with preachers. And they were all talking about missionaries and missions and how they were going to be able to get more of them to the field. And I just watched as those men came up there and they didn't bring money from their churches. They brought their own money. And these preachers who in their own cars had driven all night, 12 hours, to get to this place in Georgia and to preach at and encourage one another. And we were there for the whole week. Nita and I were there. And I, I hung around this one guy and I watched him as he <clears throat> as he pulled out um, a uh, uh, it pulled out a lot of money, and I asked him. I said, because we were talking, it was just one of those things. And he said, "Look, um, uh, I want to give this to you." I said, "Given to me, he gave me a thousand dollars." And his son that was with him, he said, "Do you realize where my dad got that?" And I said, no, I have no idea. I, I feel humbled that somebody would do that. And Because um, he didn't have, I mean, his car he was driving was not an Audi. And he said, my dad buys and sells cars all year long, fixing them up, selling them, putting the money away. Every one of those side things. He preaches, but he does this thing on the side, and he puts that money in a jar so they can come to a meeting like this and give it away. Boy, like a dagger in my heart. I thought, I'm not worthy of this money. See, he, that, that person didn't take money from the people. Say, I'll give this from my church. No, he on purpose made sure he had money to give. And ever since that day, I've wanted to be like him. That means I've got to go out and work. I've got to make sure that my bills are paid. I've got to make sure I've got something left over. At the end of the month, the Lord said, give it away. And I go, okay, it's not easy. But Christian, don't you want that? That is the joy of your Lord. Let's stand. Let's bow in prayer. <clears throat> Heads bowed and eyes closed. Just think for a moment. For one second, is there anything you have that you didn't first get from God? 
any good gift in your life that he didn't first give you? Think about what have you been doing with it? Are you like that first servant or the second servant? Are you like that third one? And you just you hide what God gives you, you just ignore it, you go on your way and live your life until the day you die. That's not right. And it's terrifying to think that we're going to answer for what we've wasted and we've never taken responsibility for. So Lord, uh, I say it again. Most important freedom is the freedom from sin and freedom from hell. Freedom that comes at the price of Jesus Christ. He paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. Jesus washes it white as snow. If somebody in this room is not saved, if you are not born again, if you don't know what happens to you when you die, talk to me, please. Find out. The gospel is very simple. You just gotta, you just gotta really believe with all your heart, not just your head, but in your heart. Dear Christian, if Jesus went through so much effort to forgive your sin, to pay off that debt, proves he owns you. And he's very gracious. He's not a hard master. He's the most loving, patient, kind. But he does have limits. And he does have expectations. So Lord, may we take what we have seriously. Start living responsibly. In Jesus' name, amen.